0: Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the chance that we have to worship you this day. We ask your blessing on our time of looking at your word and ask you to guide us as we seek to follow you more closely. We thank you for the women of the Old Testament as they guide us and guide our faith. Amen. As Liz said, we once again have a situation here where we don't know the name of the woman in our text there are many theories as to what her name might be but again just looking at the text we initially only know of her as Manoah's wife we also know like liz said that she's the mother of one of the most important old testament men samson we know very little though about Manoah's wife when we meet her in this text we do know that she has not had any children. Our text indicates that she likely wasn't able to have children, she couldn't have children, or perhaps that she had concluded that she wouldn't be able to have children. But unlike Hannah, who we looked at last week, and many of the other women who can't have children in the Bible, Manoah's wife doesn't ask to have a child. There's no no pleading with God. Rather, at the outset of this reading, when we first meet this woman, we learn that this angel appears and tells her, you're going to have a child, and he gives her some pretty specific but brief instructions, instructions not to drink alcohol or to eat certain foods while she's pregnant. The angel says that her son will be a Nazarite. Once he's born, she's to keep him from cutting his hair, and he's to continue to follow all those dietary rules. And Nazarites are an interesting group of people. They were dedicated to God for a specific purpose. They were set apart. Usually, Nazarites were set apart by choice, believing themselves to be called called by God to do so. But in this case, it isn't the boy it isn't the man who will be called who will be called samson it isn't him who makes this choice initially about his identity right instead it's the angel who tells the woman that she is to raise him as a Nazarite. Manoah's wife tells him what the angel said did you catch what happened next after she tells her husband he he basically goes and prays and says god Let that man come back again and tell us what we're supposed to do. For whatever reason, it isn't enough for this man to have had his wife be told the instructions, right? Pretty clear instructions. And so our text says, though, that God listened to Manoah, and God sends the angel again to his wife, again. She's in the field, and Manoah is not with her. And I get the feeling that she doesn't want to deal with his questions again, so she runs and goes and gets her husband. And I bet she's thinking, I hope the angel is still there when we get back. And, and Manoah comes and he meets the angel. And so he says to the angel, so what's going on here? So what, are, what is our boy supposed to do? And as much as I want to be frustrated with Manoah, his question is not a bad one, and it's not a strange one. But the answer is, now I say his question isn't strange because it kind of makes sense that Manoah wants a little more detail. They haven't had any children. Now they're gonna have a child. This angel, this messenger, this man is saying that there's, they're gonna have this child and, and gives instructions to Manoah's wife, but doesn't tell them anything about what Manoah's gonna do, right? And he's wanting some explanation an explanation about what God wants of this boy. But the answer from the angel pivots, goes back to Manoah's wife. The angel says to him, your wife needs to do the things that I said to do, things she heard, abstain from drinking wine. He says, she is to observe everything that I commanded her. Manoah really wants more information. He he presses the angel to stay and the angel tells them that if he stays, Manoah should offer a sacrifice, a burnt offering to God. There's this wild exchange that happens. Manoah asks the angel, what's your name? The angel, who, who Manoah still thinks is a messenger, says to him, why do you ask my name? It is too wonderful. So Manoah settles with that answer and he goes and makes a fire and is going to have a sacrifice and burn meat on the fire as a gift to God. And the text says that when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar while Manoah and his wife looked on and they fell on the ground with their faces to the ground. Can you imagine this sight unfolding? Manoah freaks out. He's in full panic mode as he realized that this messenger was a vision of God. He says to her, we shall surely die, for we have seen God. I can just see Manoah in his sheer panic. Throughout the Old Testament, this made sense because seeing God meant that death was next. And so, like Manoah's other actions, it makes sense for him to be afraid. He knew enough that he knew he should be worried. But what about his wife? She calms him. She has processed this moment from that first moment that that messenger came to her. She has listened to the promises and the instructions of this messenger of the Lord. She basically says to him, calm down, listen. If God wanted to kill us, God wouldn't have made these promises to us husband says nothing more about it. Next thing we know, Samson is born. She names him Samson, and the text says this. This is all we get about his upbringing. It says that the boy grew and the Lord blessed him. And in that moment, in that one verse of scripture, Manoah's wife becomes Samson's mother. I kind of wish that was the end of the story for this family, one of those happily ever after moments. But it actually sort of falls apart for them. Samson is not an easy child. That might be the understatement of the year. He is wild, actually, and he's very physically strong, which can lead to some violence. And he also has a wandering eye, an eye for plenty of women, women who are from the enemy nations, and he lusts after them. He drinks lavishly. He seems hot-headed and motivated by his own interests and desires. It doesn't sound like a Nazarite, does it? From even what you know of a Nazarite, it doesn't sound like one who is devoted to God, this identity that was put on him from before birth, this identity that his mother expects him of him. And this makes me stop in the story and Actually, I'd love to keep going. Judges chapters 14 through 16, they're some of the most action-packed chapters of the Bible. If you're ever feeling that the Bible is boring, go read about when Samson kills a thousand of his enemies with the jawbone of a donkey. Or what he does out of revenge when the father of his wife says that his wife is now with his best friend. The drama is rich, and there's nothing boring about the life of Samson. But I stop the story because I want to go back to his mother. Actually, his mother and his father. Remember how Manoah was asking the questions of the messenger of the Lord? Remember how he wanted details? He wanted details about what it was going to be like to raise this son, what the expectations were going to be. He wanted a handbook, a guidebook, an instruction manual. Can any of you relate to this? This desire for instructions, a how-to manual? But the angel's instructions, they're very narrow. The angel's instructions are given to our woman of the Old Testament. And the instructions are clear And she follows them. And I pause here in the story of Samson because I want to get inside of her heart. I want to know how she felt watching her son's self-destructive behavior, rejecting his past, turning from his parents, going in the complete opposite direction she would have him go. I want to know what it felt like for this mother, for this faithful mother who did everything, seemingly did everything right. I want to know what it felt like for her to watch her child spiral out of control, to get inside of her heart. They try to stop him. They beg him, actually. They beg him to make better choices, and he rejects their pleas. And I can imagine, I can imagine that as painful as it may have been, there was some letting go at some point that they had to do, that she had to do. Letting go to let him, to let him be who he was going to be. As one of you wrote to me in a note earlier this week though, being a mother, it, it continues all life long. It's a loving, protective instinct, even even after you reach that point of letting go of control. There's a critically important piece of this story, though, one that is easy to overlook. In the heat of the exchange between Samson and his parents, one of the earliest exchanges about one of his first bad choices, the decision to marry a woman from the enemy nation, the text says this, His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord. I want you to sit with that for a moment. One commentary, in a very matter-of-fact way, states that the narrator reveals that an action contrary to basic Israelite standards is actually part of a divine plan. I say it so, it's, it's kind of funny, right? Because, yeah, of course they didn't know it. His father and mother didn't know this was from the Lord. That's what our text says. Our, our woman in this morning's text, Samson's mother, Manoah's courageous, steady, faithful, calm, strong wife, she listened to God. She allows herself to be used by God. And at some point, after doing what she could do, she let go. Despite her faith, despite all that she tries to do, her son will be who he is, her son will be his own person, and she can't control that outcome. He's got the freedom to establish his own identity, and some children, even when they've been raised with great care and love, some children make poor choices, dangerous choices. But the good news is that even then, Even then, the God of resurrection, the the God who changes identity, the God who knows the end of the story, then knows the end of our story. The God of resurrection has the power to redeem and the power to complete and the power to reconcile us. Samson, Samson leads a messy life and a life of questionable actions and decisions. But Samson... With, with all of his flaws, he's regarded as a hero of the faith. Sit with that for a moment. In the New Testament letter of Hebrews, Samson is listed among a handful of others for his efforts to protect the people of Israel against their most one of their most significant enemies. For 20 years he fought for their freedom, and he died doing so. See, Samson's mother, she, she models for us not just the devotion of a parent. She also models for us the pain of a parent and the confusion of a parent. But even more so, she's the one who should be listed in that long list of heroes in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Because she represents a steady, solid faith. A faith that listens to God Even when it isn't clear what God is doing, even when it isn't clear how God is going to bring God's resurrection wonder, where is the good news? Even when it isn't clear how the story will reach the end that God intends for each of us, the end where we truly find our identity in Christ. When we are reconciled to the one who has been with us throughout our lives, the one who claims us, the one who remains faithful to us always. I pray that looking at this woman, may we too have the faith of this strong woman of the Old Testament, one among so many pillars and heroes of the faith, a woman who listened to God, who followed God, even when God's plan wasn't clear. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.